Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. I want to encourage you, this, this passage in Acts chapter 11, verses 1 and following, is an amazing passage. We're going to look at verses 1 through 18, and there's three things in this. There's fleshly criticism. Peter is criticized. He's accused, if you will. There's a divine direction. I love what Peter does with this accusation, with this criticism that is brought to him. And there's biblical affirmation. Biblical affirmation. Acts chapter 11, verses 1 and following. If you remember, we have had the gospel brought to the Gentiles. Cornelius the centurion, his family, his household, his close friends, listened to the word that Peter brought to them. They believed in their hearts, and the Holy Spirit has fallen upon them. And they, like at Pentecost, began to speak in known languages. This was not some prayer language that nobody knew about. These were known languages. That's the actual wording of it. And as a result, Peter recognizes these people have received the Holy Spirit. And he basically says, hey, they've received the Holy Spirit. Why shouldn't they be baptized? And they're baptized. An outward expression of an inward reality. That's all baptism is. Um, Baptism is simply a picture on the outside of what God has done on the inside. And so they're baptized. They're saved. They're part of the family of God now. But we've got a real problem here. Because the Jewish believers aren't necessarily very excited about this. Not all of them. The Gentiles have received the word of God. Verse 1 in 11, chapter 11, he says, Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Fascinating. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have email. They didn't have texting. They didn't have cell phones. How did they hear about this? (laughs) Good old human, right? Come on, voice to ear to mouth to right on. People to people. Did you hear what happened? Can you believe the Gentiles are part of this? They even said, and oh man, you can just, I mean, the chain was fast and furious. Because this really is radical. This is radical. This is earth shaking for the church. For the Jewish believers, there's a point here where they come to something that they now have to deal with. We saw this in Peter, right? The the sheet is lowered to Peter, and three different times, take, kill, eat. No way, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean in my life. I'm not going to start now. Peter recognizes that the Lord's making it very clear to him, what I've called holy, don't you call unholy. What I've called clean, don't you call unclean. And Peter recognizes that's from the Lord. And he recognizes that he needs to go with the men that Cornelius sent in order to come and get him. And he goes up to this Gentile's house where there's a whole multitude gathered that Cornelius had invited in. And he recognizes that the Spirit of God is at work in the midst of this. And he shares with them the gospel. They're saved. They receive the Holy Spirit. They're baptized. And all of a sudden, all of Christendom at that particular point in time is on fire. 
all through Judea. Remember the diaspora, the persecution had started to take place. Saul had met the Lord on the road to Damascus. He was saved, and so the persecution settled down. But all these believers out of Jerusalem had been spread throughout all of Judea. Man, we got, we got a phone chain that's amazing. And when Peter comes back to Jerusalem, Luke makes it very clear, those who were circumcised took issue with him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. <laughs> it wasn't, hey, Pete, wow, can you tell us what God did? Man, this sounds so cool. It had nothing to do. Who's this Cornelius guy? What's he saying about this? What did God do? No, no, no. He comes back into Jerusalem. And boy, I can picture it in my mind because I've met these people. I've met them. <laughs> They're not happy. They're not excited at all. What do they do? They accuse. You ate with some uncircumcised Gentiles. How dare you? Wow. <laughs> Interesting. God's plan of the gospel was beginning to take place. It was spreading all over the world. You know, it's interesting. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. The Lord's already prefaced all these things taking place. Mark 16, 15, he says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That word for creation there, he's not talking about the trees. He's not talking about the rocks. He's not talking about animals. He's talking about human beings. I think if you have a King James, it says every creature, and he's re literally referring to human beings. Guess what? That means Gentiles too. Luke chapter 24, verses 45 and following, he's saying this. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Remember, Luke wrote the gospel of Luke. He also wrote Acts. And he said to them, this is the Lord speaking, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. You know that word nations, ethnos, means ethnic groups. Every ethnicity is going to hear the gospel beginning from Jerusalem. Now, we looked at this, but the Levitical law was clear. You can go back and look at Deuteronomy chapter 14. You can look at Leviticus chapter 11 and see the food requirements. The Lord uses this in order to illustrate to Peter that it's okay. I've declared these people clean. Don't call them unclean. And he makes it very clear to Peter that you need to go, and you need to go with these men and preach the gospel to them. That's, it's inarguable. You've got to understand that Peter standing there with those Gentiles even acknowledges I shouldn't technically be here. Association with Gentiles was tantamount to accepting their ways. It was as if Peter was embracing them. And in, in Judaism, that, you didn't do that. Peter was an Orthodox Jew and he had never eaten something that he shouldn't have eaten and he had never fellowshipped with Gentiles. The Lord was even criticized for this. Tax collectors, sinners, the Samaritan woman. I mean, you go down the list, and the Lord, Lord did some amazing things with uh, some Gentile individuals. 
These people, these saved legalists, these Jewish believers who were still under the law, so to speak, they should have known what was coming. The Abrahamic covenant, Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Who, who is that? <laughs> those are the Gentiles. Or Genesis chapter 22, verse 18, in your seed. And Paul explains that seed there is singular because it's speaking of Christ. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Abraham, I'm going to create a nation, and through you one is coming, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through that one. We know that one is the Messiah. We know the Messiah is the Lord Jesus Christ. All the nations, even the Gentiles, will be blessed through the Jewish people. Praise God for them. Praise God that God used them in the way that he has in order to bring us our Messiah. We have the opportunity of being saved through the Messiah, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. These Jewish believers ought to have known this. The Lord said this very clearly. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. That wasn't next door. That wasn't to the next door neighbors that were good Jewish families. That was even to the remotest parts of the earth where the Gentiles live. I think it's interesting that Peter had this vision in Joppa. and We have the book of Jonah, which is all about a prophet of God, a Jewish man, being called to go where? You know the story, right? To Nineveh, that wicked Gentile city. (laughs) And Jonah didn't want to do it. No way. (laughs) Can you imagine this guy? Can you wait to, I can't wait to meet Jonah. I cannot wait to meet Jonah. Jonah, can you you just fill me in on what it was like to be in the belly of the whale for three days? (laughs) Did it hurt? Could you move? I mean, is it like the cartoons where it was cavernous and you could walk around with a lit candle looking around at all the dead fish? I mean, what was this like? We could get off on a tangent on this one, but do you realize that when that whale threw Jonah back up, he was a sight. He was probably bleached in his skin from all the stomach acidity. I know, I'm sorry, it's... It's not a pretty picture, but can you imagine the stench, the smell? Can you imagine what was on him, in him, all around him? And he was bleached white. He looked like a ghost. Can you imagine the fisherman that saw him all of a sudden being thrown up onto the... Wow. Why do you think the sun hurt him so bad? Have you ever thought about that? When God allowed the plant to grow up and bring shade to him and it was such a relief to him, why do you think it hurt him so bad? Because his skin was probably really messed up. And the sun was burning him. Peter had this vision in Joppa, which is the same place that Jonah went to in order to escape the calling to go to Nineveh. Don't miss that. I guarantee you these people didn't miss that. It's not coincidental. This is not by accident. So they should have known. They should have recognized. They should have understood. And Luke points out clearly that Jewish believers were the ones questioning Peter. 
They were the ones ultimately, and in the language that is used here, they weren't just asking a simple question. It was more of an accusation. This was a legal cultural issue to them. Peter had been given a vision. These other believers had not. And I think we need to be careful to judge too quickly and harshly. Sometimes we do that real fast, don't we? Especially when it comes to biblical things. We, we look at the people, we look at their lives, we look at, boy, we're quick to jump all over them. Put yourself in their shoes. Thousands of years of being told, don't have anything to do with the Gentiles. <laughs> we might have probably had some questions for Peter ourselves. With that said, they should have known. They should have understood. They were more concerned about the technical aspects of the law rather than what God had done. They were missing out on the glory of God and the kingdom being expanded, and they weren't even focused on that. They were focused on some technical things concerning the law. They jumped to conclusions without all the facts. Most criticism is based upon ignorance. Do you know that? Think it through. You're critical of something. Do you know all the facts? Well, there's divine direction. And I love how the word of God gives us some clarity in this. How the Holy Spirit gave Peter wisdom in how to respond. Peter explains what's happened. And it's very clear that he is specific with regard to what God has done. He doesn't point to himself. He doesn't give glory to himself. He doesn't say, this is my plan. This is my way. This is my will. As an apostle, he doesn't pull a title issue here. He doesn't, he doesn't do any of that. He just simply points to God. And I, I think that in and of itself is a sermon for everybody. Isn't it? In your life, when things begin to happen and, and suddenly you are under criticism for it, what's your immediate reaction? What do you do with that? Defend? Oh, I did this because, and I've got all these reasons why. Or do you just run to the Lord and point to the Lord? Look at what God has done. Let me share with you what the Lord has done, what the Lord is doing. That's exactly what Peter does. I'm not going to read through all of verses 4 through 15, but let me just walk through kind of an outline of it. First of all, the Lord had given him a vision. Verses 4 through 10 is all about that. And he, he recounts the story of how this sheet is lowered to them, to him, in a vision. Get up, Peter, kill, eat, verse 7. By no means, Lord, verse 8, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. This happens three different times. Peter immediately goes to what did the Lord do? Why did he do what he did? And he immediately begins to share what God has done. Verse 12, the Spirit had specifically told him to go with the servants of Cornelius. Peter makes that clear. The Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings, without being divided in my mind. That's what he's saying. And he also lets them know six brethren went with me and we entered the man's house. So the vision came from the Lord. The spirit of the Lord told me not to be divided in my mind about this, to go with these men. It's interesting to note that he also brings up the angel that had come to Cornelius in verse 13. Visions and angels were huge at that point in time. They didn't have the canons of scripture like we do. 
So this would have been very affirming with regard to Peter's story. The Holy, Holy Spirit fell upon the Gentiles in the same way that had happened at Pentecost, indicating their acceptance by God and their salvation. In verse 15, Peter again just recounting, this is what took place. I had a vision. There was an angel that went to Cornelius to send these men. The Spirit of God told me to go with these men without misgivings. I began to proclaim to them the gospel. They believed, and the Spirit of God fell on them just like us. Notice he doesn't say Samaria. It's an interesting thing. He says Pentecost. Samaria was a little bit different, if you remember. Philip was up there evangelizing the Samaritans and and then called for Peter and John to come up. Peter and John came up, laid hands on them, and asked the Lord to send the Spirit. Not so with the Gentiles. Not so at Pentecost. Peter at Pentecost was preaching and proclaiming the gospel. People were believing, and the Spirit of God fell upon them. Right? At the Gentiles, what happened? Peter begins to express to them that this is what God has done. Shares with them the gospel. They're believing the Spirit of God falls upon them. It's fascinating. So in the same way that the Jewish believers had received the Holy Spirit, the Gentile believers had as well. Peter walks through step by step the exact events He makes it clear this was not his plan or will, but rather that he was simply following the Lord's will and plan. He also took with him witnesses. (laughs) I think that's interesting, isn't it? A little bit of tidbit of wisdom in that. You only needed three to verify the facts. He took six. He took twice the amount that he needed. You don't think Peter in his mind knew that he was going to have to answer for this? The Holy Spirit gave him wisdom about, hey, you're going to take some witnesses with you. You're not going to stand alone in this one. I love that. We can trust the Lord to defend. Well, there's biblical affirmation. Verse 16, what happens? I remember the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. I love what Peter does here. He doesn't say, Hey, are you going to believe my experience or what? What does he do? He says, this is what the word says. This is what the Lord said. He goes to the word of God. The word of God is what validates the experience, not the other way around. Folks, that's huge. In our day and age, that's absolutely essential. Always take your experiences and place them under the authority of the word of God. Never the other way around. Never the other way around. I remember the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And his conclusion in verse 17 is, in a sense, if the Lord has done this, who am I to stand in his way? If the Lord has done this, who am I not to follow him? Who am I not to obey him? That's a powerful question, isn't it? Because what he's saying to these Jewish believers is who are you to stand in the way of the Lord? 
If God has chosen to do this, who are we to stand in the way of what God wants to do? And he validates it by scripture. He validates it by all the different circumstances that he has clearly uh, shown forth to be from the Lord. And he also has witnesses as a part of this. What can they say? I think they have a faith opportunity. They either going to believe the Lord and they're going to believe what God is doing or they're not. The result is that they quieted down and glorified the Lord. They gave the Lord praise. They honored him for who he is. I like that word, quieted down. It means they stopped working. They they stopped striving. They relaxed. (laughs) In our vernacular, they chilled out. (laughs) That's a good one. If somebody comes up to you and they go, what's going on? You got to be kidding me. What's happening? Just say, chill out. God is in control. So many times we get alarmed by things and we don't know all the facts. We're critical of things and we don't understand the behind the scenes stuff. And it's almost as if we go into this panic mode. And we're trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. And the Lord's like, what? What? Just relax. I got this. The question is, do we trust him or don't we? There's two points of view here. And I think it's instructive for us. There are those who have not been given vision. Right? The Jewish believers, undoubtedly sincere, coming to Peter and accusing him. And by the way, they were just representative of a whole lot of people behind them. It's always fascinating to me. Whoever the spokesman is, just look behind them to find out who the crowd is that's uh, standing there in agreement with them and has kind of pushed that person into the front, so to speak, so that they can come and find out. You know, the telephone train and tree starts out as soon as you've given whatever answers to them. You know, it's always amazing. These aren't the only people. There's a whole crowd of people undoubtedly behind these guys. They had not been given vision. The question is, how do we respond when we don't have all the facts? How do we respond when we don't understand something, when we don't have all the facts? The second thing is those who have been given vision. Peter had clearly been given vision. When we've been given vision and we believe that we're following the Lord... And we can verify that in all kinds of different ways, the word of God, etc. How do we respond to those who criticize? That's an interesting question in and of itself, isn't it? I don't know about you, but there are times where I've been given vision and I feel like this is where the Lord's leading and it's been substantiated by other individuals and by the word of God and all this kind of stuff. And, And I've been caught really off guard when all of a sudden everybody doesn't agree with me. Oh, What? You don't see the same thing I do? What's wrong with you? Well, what what time did you wake up this morning? Come on, what did you have for for dinner last night? What's your problem? And I've learned a little bit, you know? Maturity's hopefully a good thing. Suddenly we realize, oh, wait a minute, like Peter did. I had to be given this vision, which means these people haven't, and as a result, we need to communicate this in kindness. We don't need to react. We need to respond and give them the opportunity to hear from God as well. Oh. So, two thoughts. 
I think it's really an unbelief versus belief issue. I really do. There's the saved legalists. Nobody here fits that description, I can guarantee. The saved legalists. (laughs) Come on, all of us struggle with the law at some point or other, right? Are we focused on tradition? Are we focused on cultural norms that appear to have biblical validity but actually miss the main point? This is the way we've always done it. That can't be the right way. Oh, that's stupid. Why are you doing that? (laughs) Right? And we just miss out. We just totally miss. We get focused in on things that are just so temporal instead of focusing in on the Lord and the things that are eternal. And all of us do that at some point or another. How are we evaluating what is taking place or not? What perspective are we viewing things through? Our perspective, what we can see, which is limited and always based on our own understanding, or the Lord's perspective, which is eternal and infinite? I mean, how do we minimize the situation in order for us to be comfortable with it versus trusting the Lord in it regardless of whether we understand it or not? Are we focused on what the Lord is doing or what our expectations are? This is what should happen. If we just do these things, this will be the result. Really? (laughs) Wow. That doesn't sound like faith to me. Does it to you? Faith is trusting the Lord regardless of what happens and trusting him with the results. Faith is just simply, Lord, I I don't know exactly where this is going and I'm not sure exactly, but I know you're in control and we're going to follow you no matter what. We just sang it, didn't we? Folks, I think when we don't have all the facts, we haven't been given necessarily the vision. I think the attitude in it is, are we willing to come before the Lord and die to self and trust the Lord? Trust the Lord. Because that's ultimately the issue. Peter's perspective is one who had been given vision. And he responded in faith. I think this is neat because when you walk through this, he was clear, he was concise. He was very specific, very methodical, very systematic. He did not react. Rather, he responded in love. I think he understood his brothers in Christ because he himself had wrestled with the same thing when the vision was given to him. Rather than cutting their ears off before they had an opportunity to hear, he made sure that they understood the facts and he pointed to Christ in the midst of it. He focused on the Lord and what the Lord was doing. He focused on the word of God, and he used the word of God to validate his experience. He was willing to walk by faith regardless of what was being said, what was culturally acceptable, and even in the face of criticism. And he was wise. He took six witnesses along with him. I think that's important. When when God's called you to something... Don't be surprised when people don't understand what it is that God's doing in your life. When you're in your family and and you're maybe a teenager and God calls you to something, don't be surprised when your parents don't fully get it. Share with them what God has done. 
and you're in the midst of work or wherever you may be and God's called you to something, make sure it's from the word of God. Make sure it's validated by the word of God. Make sure that you're talking with godly people who are giving you wisdom from the word. But when you hear from the Lord and it's validated through the word of God, then trust God with the results of it. And don't be surprised when people don't agree with you and people think that you're nuts. Because when God calls us to stuff, when God calls us to things, I can tell you that the earthly mind can't fully grasp it. The fleshly mind doesn't even want to go there because it's uncomfortable. It's a little bit scary. It's out on the edge. And we're worried more at times about ourselves and what people think about us than we are about following the Lord. Don't don't be surprised by that, but follow God in it. See what God has in it. Trust the Lord in it because his ways are higher than our ways. He can do things that are absolutely amazing, like part the Red Sea, like have a bush catch fire and never burn up, and on and on and on and on and on. How are we limiting God? How are we responding to him even when we don't understand and saying, Lord, we want to glorify you? Are we quieting down with the truth of the word of God? Are we chilling out (laughs) and just trusting God? Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage to share yours with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join us next week.